What is up and welcome into the Easy Smoke in the GM Podcast. I'm your host, Ezra McCann, and I'm joined as always by my outstanding co-hosts. He's a Chicago Public League legend. He's a Simeon legend. He's a Grambling State legend. He played second base for the Tigers. He was all swag. It's Brandon Williams, a.k.a. Coach Smoke. And we've got our GM. You can catch all of his work on the NFL Draft at NBCSportsChicago.com and the My Teams app. He's Glenn Morgan, our GM. Gentlemen, how you guys doing today? Doing good. Yeah, I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling fine. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. We got, man, we got a, a special guest coming up uh, later on. Uh, Chicago's own Carl Nix, who uh, is now a, uh, a scout with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, but he also was in that, that memorable, memorable national championship game. Uh, 1979 between Indiana State and Michigan State and was a teammate of Larry Bird. So got some good stories coming up. So uh, definitely stick around for that. But uh, first, let's talk about the weekend that was the big White Sox Yankees series. And uh, let's go, we'll, let, we'll let our resident <laughs> Yankee fan go ahead and, 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 and talk some smack. Oh man! Go right I mean, ahead after the sweep. Go ahead. I mean, I mean, it's not really much smack talk to be said. I do think these are the best two teams of baseball. Hey, I, we're bringing the Carl Nicks now. Hey, thanks. <laughs> Great talk there. <laughs> I do, I do think these are the two best teams in baseball. I, you know, all I can do is just think back of you know what was maybe a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, I was asked, "Is it time to panic?" about my Yankees and I said at that point you know it's still early yes I don't like what I'm seeing but it's still early and here we go today I mean sweep the White Sox who I who before the series I thought was the best team in baseball like they were playing like it they are very exciting to watch I am not a White Sox fan I'm a Yankees fan but if I had to choose being a Chicago native who I root for I would root for the White Sox I like the White Sox. Well, you I'm can't. Just, you, I mean, come on. We, you you can't root for that team up north. <laughs> you you you're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. You're absolutely it right. It, it really it really do feel like a sin. Yes. To root for them. I mean, yes. just just being honest. But but it was a it was a hard far series. Only only game that was out of control was game two, with which our ace pitch. So that one I was. I'm not shocked about that one, but the first two were walk off no, wins. Hell, man, hell, I mean, <laughs> but walk off uh, wins like Rodon and Montgomery showed up man, on Friday night. Man, that was that, that was game a, was crazy. Even though the White Sox lost that game, uh, I mean, what more can you ask for? You man, a, they, they said that was like the first. They said that was like the first time in MLB history two starters had like ten plus strikeouts in yeah. the walks. Yeah, mm. like that was the type of game that was. <laughs> they, they they both pitched Jim, so you I mean you know you can't be too upset about a two one loss like that. Uh, yeah, Saturday got a little out of control, and I got a couple things to talk about with that. But and then Sunday's game, I mean the Yankees came out, uh, they scored too early on Keiko, um, and then you know after that the White Sox fought back, man, and like I said, it was a walk off walk off win for uh, for the Yankees, so. Yeah. Usually in a sweep, I'm a little upset, but you know, hey, it's three games, you know, in a, in a 162. Yep, we'll we'll yep. get over it. 
we'll get over it. Just a little bragging rights, nothing, nothing major. <laughs> well, well, you know, it, it's interesting because because uh, you know, see, Jordan pitched so well when when Rodon was pitching that you know we needed Cease to kind of do what Matthews did. You know, what I'm saying yeah. like if, if Cease yep. could have done that. And actually, the crazy thing was he started out like he started that. out, yeah, first three mm-hmm. innings. And I, I I'm going to go. I know you're going to touch on it later as well, uh, as but I'm very disappointed. I've been disappointed since last year, and I'm sometimes it, it's a little discouraging at times with the catcher we have because so much depends on the tenor of the pitching staff, but also <laughs> how it affects the, the 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 batting order. All these things, and Grandal is killing us everywhere. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, thanks for taking the walk, thanks for contributing, but dude, you have to do more. You know, you can't just take these walks and you've got to hit better. And if you're not going to hit better and you're taking the walks, you need to be locked down on defense. And he may be having still some leg issues or whatever new, but he's had, I mean, that, that second game was just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's like so, having five turnovers in one game. So I ask, is, is it just because of his name or is, is Collins, Zach Collins is the name, right? Yeah. That's the, is, the is he yeah. just, is he just not ready to, cause that was the Sox number one pick a few years ago. Is he just mil. not ready? 18 mil a year. Catching. 18 mil a year. That's what Zach Collins is getting. Oh, no, is getting, oh, is getting it. right. Right. Yes. So that's that's why okay. we should have, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I don't think they they thought when they went out to get Grandal. Remember, because McCann was still there. When they went out yeah. and got Grandal, they weren't thinking that Collins was was ready to go. And I, I think that's what and then also I, I wouldn't well, I wouldn't take away the fact that that uh Grandal's Cuban. And so it, it helps with the, with, I think the Cuban connection that's that's there. Yeah, um, it's probably a lot of reasons, and I, yeah, I, I, that's, I, part, I, that's part of it. I'll I don't think they expected McCann to have back to back years like he did. Yeah, you know, the year before he was an all star, and then last year he had a solid season. I mean, but they had you, already. I don't think they kept McCann. He would have been a cheaper option. Yes, and, and I know McCann is struggling with the Mets, but my cousin, McC- by the way. <laughs> see the resemblance <laughs> but, but I, I think McCann was comfortable here and I think more importantly the pitching staff was comfortable with McCann comfortable exactly with McCann. and and mm-hmm. I blame I, I you know I, I say I blame and you know I, I say that tongue-in-cheek to some degree or it's just kind of rhetoric but I I feel that a little bit that you know Grandal's struggles affected Cease and Grandal's struggles framing Grandal's struggles sometimes and now I know he was oh, a catcher I know he's a catcher on Rodon, but a no hitter. But, but it, it's Ooh. no Collins caught that. Oh, Collins caught the no hitter. Collins against? caught the no hitter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, it's, it, but that's 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 a real concern because I I have those concerns and I'm a huge Gary Sanchez fan, but the world knows the struggles he has, <laughs> like and and it hurts. That hurts. Like your catcher has to be a sure thing. Yeah, and that's has the thing when be. when when Gradal got signed, you know, everybody talked about how uh, he was this great frame artist, mm. and that he was going to, you know, he was going to bring extra strikes. Hmm. And I think that's part of the problem. He's having problems just catching the ball he's right now. Problems. I think he's trying to frame before actually seeing and, the ball into the mitt, you know what I'm and saying? And that hurts your pitcher because he's like, I can't throw certain pitches because he's going to have trouble catching them. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You so know, that, like, that's that that's a problem. That's one issue when you have so many, so many drop balls. He had one that 
Had he just caught the ball, probably would have been a strike, would have been called a strike, but wasn't. Um, yeah, that, that's that's something that has to be has to be discussed. Then the other, which Grandal was in on one play, but it's been happening all year, is the fact that, uh, and we talked about this with Smoke. Smoke said he had an issue with these when he played. <laughs> Pop-ups. Yeah. And calling for the ball. Yeah, man. You, know, you had problem, uh, yeah. they almost Grandal and uh, Makata ran out on Makata. Uh, the ball was two steps away from third base. Why is Grandal even out there? Oh yeah, yeah. That now that is insane. With Makata call for it. It has been actions like that all year. The the uh, the play against Kansas City where Abreu got hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Abreu's going for it, but had somebody called him off. And maybe he wasn't. Mm-hmm. They, they weren't listening. And maybe that's their issue. Maybe that accident doesn't doesn't occur. You know, on the base pass where he gets. You know, him and um, who was that for Kansas City? Um, Big guy. I can't remember his name. It starts with a B, I think. I forget his name. But they 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 collide and you know right. knock each other out. Mm-hmm. But that's something that needs to. You know that that should have been taken care of in in spring training, and it's something that we learned. In yeah. Little League. And, and I mean, hey. Call, and like, call the ball. Call hey, and, and like you said, you mentioned Smoke, myself, had issue with these. I had issue with these in college. Y'all are in the biggest – y'all on the biggest stage. Y'all in the pros. Yeah. Like, th- th- that shouldn't be an issue. Like, you got minors, all these levels. Y'all are at the biggest – y'all in the big leagues. Y'all in the biggest stage. Those type of things shouldn't be an issue. So, well, here's a, that's – that's my, I guess, my question. You you can probably answer this, Smoke. What, especially in a, in a on an infield pop, what is the what's the protocol there? Who whose ball should it be? Depend. So, like you just said, with the one with Grandal being that far out, with Mankata two steps off third base. Yeah, it's no way in hell Grandal should even be down there. Right. He shouldn't even be that far down. If that's the case, for one. The catcher, the pitcher, especially at the big leagues, should never catch a fly ball unless it's literally <laughs> right, right at him. Uh-huh. <laughs> unless it's it's hit so shallow that it's going to just drop right in his hands. Two, the catcher should stay probably pitcher smile extended as far as plate. The first baseman and the third baseman should catch anything they can get to when it concerns the catcher, if they can get to it, they have priority. When you okay, go on, so, like, so the play against Kansas City, they were probably three steps off of, of from home plate, right? Off, from, but if that third baseman can get to that ball and he calls for it, the, the catcher should move. It's a tougher play for the catcher. So the, then, the, so then the, it should have been. So that you're saying that should have been a Braves ball then on the on the first baseline. If he could, if he could get to, it. yeah, he was there. So you, so you got to think the the catcher has to come out, turn his back to the field to to find the ball, so that the ball is so that he's in position like a Bray, basically, right? Because a Bray has the a Bray was coming into the ball versus if the catcher stays facing the the way he's normally facing the catch. That ball is going to be going from him, and he's going to be running towards that ball, or that ball could run back on him, and he's going the opposite way. So it, it's it's always best for those corner infielders, if they can get to it, to get to it. 
Okay. Like well, and and call that catcher off. Well, keep in mind that the one with Abreu, he runs into the the base runner Hunter Hunter Dozier. So that guy. that's yeah. And, that, and, no, and the thing is... was, the crazy thing was Hunter Dozier kind of moved around uh, uh, Grandal, but he had his head down, and he mm. wasn't looking because he was so disgusted with how short he popped the ball up, and Abreu just hauled straight down the line to get it, and neither one saw each other until they yeah. collided. So that one is that one freaky. is just a, a, freaky. a freak accident that Abreu's looking at the ball. This guy is trying to run it out and bow. Abreu's not realizing that he's in the baseline to go get the ball. That guy is pissed, like you said, and just mm-hmm. head yeah, down yeah, trying yeah. to just run it out and they collide. So that that one is a little tough because Abreu probably was calling for that ball. But mm-hmm. the collision is probably what caused that not to happen. Well, I was a lazy first baseman, so <laughs> <laughs> had the ball been hit, you know, three feet off home plate, I'm not running 90 feet to go get it. <laughs> that's not happening. So I feel you. I maybe, feel that's, maybe that's. I, feel you. I, feel I saw. I saw that wrong. I'll. I'll, I'll admit to that. But I just I that, that's been an issue, you know, in the outfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, before Robert got hurt, him and Tim Anderson had some issues out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were running into running to each and other. See, you know, they, that's and that's another thing. Like outfielders always have priority, right? Like they always have priority. If they call for the ball, infielders get out the way. Yeah, and see get that, out the way. That's the thing. It's like we see this every year with almost every team in the major leagues. It happens, and, you know, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's just you know. But the, I think what to, to you guys' points and to your point specifically is, it's happening too much yeah. with the team, and this is just May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is a carryover from last year, so you know you can't really blame the manager or the managing style from last year into <laughs> this year because you got two different <laughs> managers, and it's still the same issue. So right. I, I don't know mm-hmm. who who well, that, that falls under or as far as the manager. Like, who does he delegate that to, or does he take hands on to that? I, I don't know how that gets fixed, but it's become the problem because we're already shorthanded. It's it's hard to say how the manager can dictate that because it's a judgment call. Mm. Is is as a coach, I can't tell if if the catcher can catch that ball. I'm now, and if the catcher is catching it, I am as a coach going to yell at my corner outfielders, infielders, like, "Hey, you need to get there." Yeah, I would have told to, you, no, I'm just, good. just to put in their mind, <laughs> just to put in their mind, like it's not going to always be that easy for the catcher to make that play. And so they have registered in their head, like if I can, I need to bust my butt to get there. Because if I can get there, it's an easier play for me than it is for him. Now, a lot of times that's not going to be the case, though. It's not going to be the case where. It's the easier play. I still want you to try to get there, but the catcher, hey, listen, you if you got the ball, you call for it. <laughs> like, so it's it's and, and as and that sounds crazy, right? I just said I want the corner outfield, infield is <laughs> going for it. But if the catcher can catch it, you call for it. That's why I say it's such a judgment call. It's hard for the coach to really dictate how that happens. You just gotta you just gotta tell the guys go for the ball. 
you baseball guys and your unwritten <laughs> rules and your contradictory oh, that's, style. That's, 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 that's not, that's not, that's not talking about unwritten rules. I, I just, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm walking, I'm going, I'm going. It's just I'm too walking, much, I'm man. It's too much. It, it's, I, it's know, everybody need... has a job. It's too much. Hey, we, did, we didn't, we didn't talk, time. we didn't talk about this. We, let's just yes, briefly we discuss, just briefly discuss it. <laughs> all right. Here's the, the issue I had, rules. all right. Yeah, number well, well, there's a couple issues, but Larusa has to defend his own guy. Yes, that's one. That's why I agree with you. Even if, even if you don't agree, you got to defend your guy. You don't you hang know, him that, out to dry. That's, that's part of the job. All right? right. Two, he blamed him for not seeing the sign. Now I got a, I got a question for Smoke, being the the senior baseball player um, on this on this podcast. Here's what I thought. Late in the game, you're up 15 to 4. 3-0 count. There's no one on base. Why would I even look down to third base for a sign? Well, one thing is universal. 3-0 is known typically to take. But okay. me as a coach, me as a coach, if you're going to swing, it better leave the park. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying. It, it, it better leave the park. That's the only way I'm going to be okay with it because you shouldn't be swinging 3 0. As in my opinion, I'm, I'm going to always give you, t- it's random times that I'll give a swing away 3 0. But 15 to 4. It's 15 to 4. I get it. I get it. I don't care. I don't care. Oh, uh, okay. The, and, and, I, and the reason I say I say I don't care because these are grown men. Who cares about their feelings? Now, me as a youth coach, 15 to 4, yeah, I get it. But they grown men and they brought a position player in. Forget that. Okay. I'm about to, I'm about to try to have fun. So then it would have been different had he had he done this on, on a 3 1 count, it would have been different. Oh, it would have been, it would have been very much different. That's so goofy to me. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't have a problem with what he did, by the way. But I'm just saying, for me as a coach, if you if you take if you decide you're going to swing 3-1, especially if, if I gave you take or if it's universally known that you take in that situation, if you swing, it better leave the park. Well, it did. It, it, and it, it did. Yeah. It's and still me going, as a coach, as a matter of fact. I would be like, hey, that's what you better have done because if you had a got out, I was on your ass. <laughs> Even in that's a 15-4 game in the ninth inning. Even in a 15-4 game. That's wow. That's just me. So so That's, why is why is Minnesota so bent out? It's a position player up there, and they already gave up. And they they laugh they laughing when they strike out the, 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 exactly. the White Sox guys exactly. But, but then they they gonna pout when it's he some he crushed BS. Them. It's some BS. They feelings was hurt. They just wanted to be mad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they just wanted to be mad. Okay. Because let's just look. Let's just think back when when Rizzo got on the mound and struck out Freddie Freeman. Yep. Right. Exactly. Like everybody the, laughed at it. <laughs> everybody laughed at it. All star Freddie Freeman struck out the Rizzo. MV, MVP. Yeah. Freddie Freeman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. And we talking about a guy in Mercedes who's trying to trying to get a deal. Right. Right. He's trying to get a deal. He's trying to get paid. Exactly. Like, I man, I somebody on, uh I was listening to the score and uh one caller that, that called in brought up. He said, Yeah. He won't be able to go to arbitration 
and say, yeah, that one strikeout right there, I was just being a sportsman. <laughs> you know, so you, 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 you right. take that strikeout away. No, that's not that's not going to work. Exactly. <laughs> that's not going to work. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm man. Them, them unwritten rules is, is stupid. Uh, and I'm a baseball guy. My thing is, like, at the end of the day, hitters can't defend themselves from a pitcher that decides he wants to take a 90 mile an hour, 90 plus mile an hour fastball and, and damage me. Yeah. Like, so, so I am 100% fine with hitters taking matters into their own hands. Because if it, you can throw a baseball at me, but if I decided to charge the mound with my back, it's a chance I'm going to go down. I'm going to get severely punished. But you just threw a fastball at me. Right. <laughs> and the only defense I have is to try to get out the way of it. <laughs> what, did you, what did you think of uh, Tyler Duffy uh, and Rocco Baldelli being suspended after, after uh, throwing at Mercedes? Good. Good. Yeah. Good. I thought it was all much to do about nothing. The whole yeah, thing. I mean, only thing I hate when pitchers get suspended, it really is in a suspension. Because they just they, they miss the start, but the five days don't really matter. They're not pitching before those days, right? So <laughs> it's not really. It might hurt them as far as pockets go, but other than that, it really don't bother them. Like so. Yeah. Well, Duffy's a reliever, is. though, right? Yeah, yeah, but he don't have to pitch every day. Right. Yeah, he don't have true. to. That's true. That's yeah, really I, true. That's yeah. That's, yeah. It's called an NBA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but that's all right though. The Yankees swept us. That's that's fine and dandy. We're still in first place. Yeah. For now. For now. <laughs> yeah, we gave well, Cleveland is right behind, huh? Yeah, Cleveland's yeah. a game and a half going into uh, us talking. Yeah, they're they're a game and a half behind. Mm-hmm. White Sox have the Cardinals this week, mm-hmm. so uh, Larusa's former team. That mm-hmm. should be uh, that should be interesting. Yeah, and and think St. Just... Think, think Louis fans think anything of that? No, it's been, no, because it's been so long. Yeah, it'll be like, hey, Tony, good to see you again, yeah. and uh, whatever. He might get a stand and no. What's the game? It's, it's, it's here, right? Yeah, they're here. They're still, might get, still might get a stand and go. Those crazy Cardinal fans. They're, they're all there. <laughs> <laughs> Took hey, all the White Sox hey, tickets. Hey, there's a, there's a lot of Cardinal fans in Chicago who aren't Cub fans. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, I, know if, I know a few of them. Yeah, because, you know, you know, the Cubs, you know, especially around our age, the Cubs sucked for so long. <laughs> you know, if they're, if they're National League people, they probably rooted for either the Reds or the Cardinals. I got my uh, my mom is from St. Louis, since so I got you know a lot of family members that live uh, down there, yeah. and uh, for, for whatever reason, every time I go to St. Louis, they they try to start talking trash to me about Cubs Cardinals, and I have to say, <laughs> like, hey, wait, whoa, 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 I'm, Sox I'm fan. a White Sox fan. I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. You're right. The Cubs. Suck. I, have, I have no issue. <laughs> I am not a part of this fight <laughs> oh wow. man i wear totally different colors <laughs> so yeah i just had to get that i had to get that uh that vent out on uh on grand doll that's, that's still my guy though you know god bless he just you. sucks sometimes 
Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. Nice guy. She has a wonderful singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's move on to some uh, NBA playoffs. Finally started after the play-ins. Finally, finally, finally. And uh, Glenn, I start with you, man. Were you were you at, at all surprised at what happened on Sunday with the Lakers and Suns? No, not really. Um, because I mean, they haven't been healthy. You know, LeBron, I, I still don't think he's completely healthy. Uh, AD, I don't think he's been completely healthy most of the year. Uh, their timing's off. Uh, Phoenix has been grooving and they've had a nice vibe all year and all the pressures on the Lakers, which is weird because they're defending champs, but because they have such, you know, limelight guys, they have such, you know, big name attractions and they have the face of the league on their team and all the scuttlebutt with LeBron. I think it's just too many distractions going on that game one. If I was a betting person, you know, and I was just like a straight up bet, I would have taken the sounds and won the first game. I just think LA is just too, they're too, too disparate right now. They're not as, you know, that bubble probably helped them out a lot last year. And this year, you know, sans the bubble, it's just too many things pulling at them right now. Now, will I be surprised if they pull it together and they make it a, a, a series? No, of course not. Because again, those guys are Hall of Fame type kind of guys. Yeah. They get that kind of talent. But I, I, I suspect that. I never thought the Lakers would be there this this year, about mid about mid season, especially once LeBron went down with that serious injury. I'm like, man, you know, these guys are an AD injury away from not being able to make that run, you know, all the way. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I, I didn't see the Lakers being in the championship game, let alone you know winning it. Now getting on the first round, I, by the same token, I didn't expect them to be you know that far down, seven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Be a seven seven seed as well. But that just shows you just how far they fell because of those two guys not really being there all year. Yeah, I – so you guys was really shocked at Phoenix winning game one. I'm not shocked that Phoenix won game one, just being a guy that's been watching LeBron James teams over the years. They a lot of times team – they a lot of times lose game one. But I'm shocked at how they lost. Mm-hmm. And that's what's concerning. Mm-hmm. They lost one, the most important player to the Phoenix Suns to me, Chris Paul, went out with that injury, and he was never the same when he came back in that game. He was barely able to hold on to the ball dribbling if you watch that game. Yeah. That ball was flying away from him just freely. I'm like, this guy's just out here trying to prove to the world that he's not always an injury guy when it comes to the playoffs. <laughs> the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's all he's doing right now because he's a shell of himself on the court right now. But the way Aiden was able to play AD. That shocked me. Really opened my eyes. AD gave them 42 not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Not too long ago. Like, so I'm not going to say AD is not healthy because he gave them 42 literally like a week or so ago. Like, had one of the greatest stat lines in Lakers history. Yeah. Like, and no LeBron on the floor. And another thing that concerns how bad they are with AD and Drummond on the court together. Yeah, that's. 
they are not good with them guys on the court together. And that was the concern of mine before the playoffs. And now to see that it happens in the first round, I guarantee, because I believe this, I, I watch so much sports TV, Frank Vogel coaches off what he sees on sports talk television. <laughs> okay. I'm willing to believe. Different lineup. Andrew uh, Andre Drummond plays like 10 minutes game two. So he, he, he Marcus all will be on the floor more. He listened to Shannon Sharp every morning. <laughs> he does. He listened to the media. I'm telling you. Every time they say something in the media, next game, he does it. I'm like, Joe, he's not, he has no clue. He's just watching these shows and he makes those adjustments and they somehow work for him. And it's like, wow, I can coach an NBA team if that's the case. But yeah, that's that's the most concerning part for me. Uh, I think LeBron played well for what he is. I think LeBron, right? He's not he's not healthy. He's not a hundred percent LeBron, but he still played a solid game. I I think AD. I think Aiden was the biggest like surprise, biggest surprise for me. Yeah. Like and and it's and it's only a surprise because he hasn't done that, but. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel he's capable of. He's a he's a very good athlete. He's strong as hell. Like I think he is one of those guys that can stay with AD. And the issue with the Lakers is they don't know how to play with AD and Drummond on the floor together. So that doesn't help. That 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 doesn't help them. Like so, it, it's gonna be interesting to see. Uh, on the. On the Chris Paul box out of LeBron, was LeBron really hurt on that play? Yeah, it's hard it's, to tell. It's tough, LeBron, to, tell. It's <laughs> tough to tell. I'm sorry. I, it's tough to tell. It's a six-one point guard boxes hey, out. Chris of Paul has he does some dirty stuff. That wasn't dirty, man. It was a box out. He grabbed his arm. <laughs> he grabbed his arm. Hey, look. Look, I am I am the biggest anti Chris Paul guy out here. Wow, you like his cousin from State Farm better, I, or his half yeah, brother? I, maybe <laughs> I I am not a Chris Paul guy. I wasn't shocked to see what he did though. Like it it was it it was borderline dirty. Yeah, he's like Stan Stockton. It was borderline dirty, he's like and Stockton. my and my thing is. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved it because LeBron, you and this dude are so tight. He went down for injury. You over there trying to make sure he, but he's such a competitor that he don't give a damn about you. Right. So how are you going to respond, LeBron? How are you going to respond? Are you going to still be this friendly person? Because now you got a friend on the court that don't give a, don't give a damn. About that friendship while y'all playing, it might be it might be Isaiah Magic all over again, <laughs> right? And that's what I want to see. I want to see LeBron respond to that man, like like getting that locker room in his because AD came out and said it was a dirty play. Yeah, I think Vogel Vogel came out and said that Chris Paul tried to injure him. So like LeBron, how are you going to respond to that? Yeah, like if you catch LeBron, you catch Chris Paul underneath like Jason Terry. Is you going? <laughs> You gonna <laughs> boom on him like you did, Jason Terry? I want to see it. I I want to see that LeBron. I want to see you come at a guy that you have 
the utmost respect for that you call one of your brothers. And be that competitive. Forget that friendly stuff right now, man. That's what I want to see. What about the uh, uh, the Utah-Memphis series there? Uh, Memphis takes the 1-0 lead. Donovan Mitchell was out, which which surprised me. Yeah, me too. That he that he was out yeah. game one. Uh, right with the with the ankle. He he came out uh, angry saying the team set him. You're right. Right. Well, you know, I, is this a case where the team is trying to protect him from himself, or is this a case where the team underestimated, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Grizzlies, the opponent, or over <laughs> or over or overestimated their own abilities? You know, so well, kind of one in hand. Yeah, because they were playing. They were actually playing pretty well. With I, him I never out. heard of low management in the playoffs. I don't. I don't know. Well, but that. But here's my and all that to say. How what I'm really trying to get at is how, how injured is he? Yeah, how injured is he? Like he might be they, a lot more injured than he's. Yeah, and and they they're looking at it as you're trying to rush back when you're not ready to come back. Right, and we got a real good shot. Like it's the first round. We should quote unquote be able to handle you know these guys. And we're going to need you for rounds two and three, you know, kind of like yeah, what was what was the, what was the Cubs uh, manager Lou Pinella, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of manage it for the game ahead instead of the game mm-hmm. that you're in, right? Right. You know, what, it, what, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> <laughs> that's my Lou Pinella. So, what yeah, do you want me to do? Right. <laughs> I know baseball. Yeah, that's 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 interesting, but but. One thing to say, man, one thing I took from that is, like, how valuable the play-in was. Right. Yeah. 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 You because know, I- Memphis, Memphis just has been feeding off one game at a time. Yeah. You know, if, if this were, you know, the, the U, like, back in the day, a five-game series, yeah, I'd say Utah's in real trouble. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. For the seven-game seven, series. Mm-hmm. You know, I that's the difference between yeah, you got time. Difference between you know NBA and NFL. Difference between the NBA and college basketball. You know, you don't have that one game scenario, or even baseball. Well, I can't say baseball, but well, yeah, I guess baseball to some degree is the first round, and baseball is uh, best of best of five. Best Mm -hmm. of five. You know, so now the NBA, it's like yeah, best team's going to usually end up winning. Yeah, and let's not let's not get it bent. I mean, how many times every year in the first round is there? There's that upset game. You know, yeah. Every year it happens, and so this year it's Utah and, and the Grizzlies. I, I still expect Utah to win that series. Maybe it'll go six instead of five now, or maybe it'll go five instead of four. But I expect the Jazz to win that series. Yeah, I mean, just last year Orlando beat Milwaukee in the first game. Right. So nobody I mean, but Orlando remembers that, and you. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah, so I don't remember that. Yeah, so I mean, exactly. That's, I didn't, that's wait, the point. That's I didn't the remember point. Orlando made the playoffs last year. That's the point. Yep. Well, you got to think all their players on different teams now. <laughs> it's true. All their players on different teams now. Uh, one game, one one game. Uh, that was really good. Was uh. Nick's Hawks, really um, good. Yeah, it's quiet yeah. as in here. That, that's I think that's gonna be a series, man. It's quiet as mm, in here. 
That's what that boy Trey Young said to the New York crowd after that dagger. Oh, my God. I got chills watching that. Like, man. I guess, but you know what? For me, that showed how important the crowds have been. Good point. Man, because if that crowd, I don't know if that game has the same effect if that crowd was not there. Right. That Knicks crowd. Was phenomenal. <laughs> was phenomenal. Oh, that was that was that first game back, right? That was the biggest. That was the biggest crowd. And they said in either in New York or in the NBA since the pandemic started. Wow. One of the two. I oh. think it was. I think it's more so the NBA. Like it was like damn that sold out arena, but it looked like it was sold out in Utah the other night, like last right. night. It looked like it was. Sold out in there. It looked like Game Six of the NBA Finals. In there. You just you just wedge them in there in the pandemic. You know, you just kind of scoop them in. But but man, that Knicks crowd was amazing, and that really made that game so special, so special. And Trey Young stood up to the challenge. One guy nice, did, one guy did. Julius Randle did not come. No, was not yeah. ready for the playoff game. No, no. Was not ready for the playoff basketball. That's game one. I, what I, I sucks think he, is I the rest of the team die. was. Yeah. Derrick Rose, who? Burks went crazy. Yeah, yeah, really. He really did. And Does it just came get, down. Get more time now? Of course. It's tips. Right. <laughs> oh, man. D Rose, 38 minutes. <laughs> Straight. <laughs> When the Knicks are up 12 with two to go. <laughs> right. Oh, not man. to bring up bad memories. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, Bulls right. fans. Okay. Man. Hey, fellas, let's go ahead and let's bring in our very special guest uh, that we have today, uh, Carl Nix. Uh, he's a Chicago native, uh, played his high school basketball at Inglewood High School, played his college ball at Indiana State, and he was on the outstanding uh, 1979 team that were 32 and one. The only loss was in a national championship game against Magic Johnson in Michigan State. He was a teammate of Larry Bird's. Uh, he has some great, great stories about about uh, being on that team. Uh, played in the NBA and he's now a, a scout for the Indiana Pacers. Carl, thank you for joining us, man. Glad, glad to have you here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I want to know first, first to start off, you were you were probably one of the most historic basketball teams in the history of uh, college basketball. How did you end up in the Indiana State to, to, to begin with? Man, that's crazy, man. <laughs> Real quick, um, we had a game against Hearst High School, Inglewood versus Hearst. Hearst had a big guy named Mike Robinson, big 6'10 guy named Mike Robinson. I was told Indiana State was really on him all year. So they came to Inglewood. We played the game. Mike Robinson got off. I got off, too. I think he had 30. I might have had 30, 35. I don't know. But we both got off. Indiana State got on my recruiting, started recruiting me. Hmm. So they started recruiting both of us. He actually committed to Michigan, and they stayed on me. Hmm. And so, um, but before all of that, uh, before the season actually started and all that, I, I thought of an idea to start writing letters to schools myself with my average and all that stuff. And I sent a letter 
to Indiana University, not knowing nothing about Bobby Knight, none of that kind of stuff. I just knew it was a winning program. And so when the coaches actually met with me after the game, they said somehow this letter came to Indiana State. It was addressed to Indiana University. Wow. It came to Indiana State. I said, what? <laughs> and so it's really weird, man. So, but I had a good game. So, so they was like, I'm glad it did. So they started recruiting me. Huh. And so from that point on, I stayed on Indiana State because I wasn't getting a whole lot of stuff. Okay. I got a few little pieces here and there. Schools. And so, you know, they scheduled for me to go down to a visit down to Terre Haute, Indiana. I'm like, where in the hell is Terre Haute? Never <laughs> <laughs> even heard of it. And, but they, they, they was on me big. They was on me. And I said, okay, I took my first trip down there. I had a couple other schools lined up. I took my first trip down there. And at that time, they were selling me on this 6'9", 6'10", white blonde guy named Larry Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he's phenomenal. He's, be, he's unreal. you never seen a player like this. And I'm like, yo, man, I'm from the South Side. <laughs> and don't, don't do me like that. Don't try to sell, you know, all of that, man. All so right. I get down to Cherhold, man. They had our itinerary set out for, for us and everything. You know, back then, you know, they'll put like pickup games and stuff together on a recruiting trip, give you gear and all that. Okay. Now all that's a violation. But back <laughs> then, in the United States, who cares? NCAA was on there. No way. So anyway, they hooked us up with a pickup game. Oh, man. I, me and I teamed up with Bird. Oh, wow. And man, the first five minutes into this game, I'm like, <laughs> hell no, man. What am I? <laughs> Then. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, man. I'm like, dang, he's cold. <laughs> and uh, so, so after all that, man, I rushed to the phone, called the crib. I called my mother. And uh, somehow Isaiah Thomas um, had got a heard of that. What I had said, said I told my mother, my just witness of a, 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 a white freak of nature. <laughs> Dude is, is the coldest white dude I've ever seen play basketball in my life. And so after all that was over with, we you know we had dinner and all that. They bought the paperwork out and all that. I say, Coach, you ain't got to sell me no more. Where's the paperwork at? I want to play with this guy, Larry Bird. Okay. That's the story. Wow. That's Man, out. that's amazing. And I come hey. for all the mother trips. I, I had, <laughs> it's the most small school. I said, I ain't going to them trips. I went to first first recruiting trip was Terrell Holt, Indiana, Indiana State. I signed. I was done. Play with Larry. Man, man that's, that's amazing. One thing you said that that really stuck with me though is how another guy was being recruited by Indiana State, and you took that opportunity to go out there and show your butt. And then they got on you. I'm a baseball coach, so that's something we tell a lot of our kids. You right. never watching, and like that's that's big to know, like. You went out there and you you had a monster game and then they they came on to you and a, a letter magically appeared on their doorstep <laughs> as well. But hey, but yeah. your, but what you showed them that day they came to Chicago was put them on put you on their radar, man. And that's that's big time. Yeah. And from eighth grade to, to high school, my coaches always say, always give it, son. Give it mm -hmm. your best. You never know who is never in know who's watching. You never right. know. And I never took that for granted. Actually, you know, I, 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 I always have done that, you know, so, um, and, and it paid off. Well, let me, let me ask you this. So you, you see Larry, you play with Larry, you sign with Indiana State. 
And earlier you mentioned you sent one to Indiana because it was a winning program. At this point, are you understanding the history of Indiana State, meaning that it doesn't have much of a history, collegiately speaking? Like, where do you think you're going to be going when you make that signature? Are you thinking Final Four? Are you thinking this guy can help me and I can help him? We can make the NBA. What were your thoughts in that oh, regard man, going forward? No, no. My thoughts was like, I'm trying to get out the hood. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, man. I was saying to myself, I'm gonna dribble myself out of 63rd Street, out the Inglewood area. I'm getting out of here. I'm I'm gonna I'm I I'm gonna get me a scholarship. That was my only thoughts, man. I had no idea about no Indiana State, Larry Bird, the history of the program. I didn't know anything. Wow, and that didn't even matter. You just it stayed. didn't even matter, man. Wow. It didn't matter. I know they say we're gonna give you a four-year ride, a four-year scholarship, you're good to go. They gave me gear and everything, man. I'm like, I'm out. You know, this is this is it. And I'm gonna make the best out of it. That's all I said to myself, man. I got a scholarship. I want me a scholarship. Wow. So that was a golden ticket. Yeah, that was my thoughts, my first and only thought at that time. Sure. So at what point during the season? Is it when you guys are 20 and 0? Was it when you're 25 and 0 right before you get into the tournament? At what point do you realize, like, man, dude, uh, we might really, yeah, we, we might really be able to do this? Well, you know, it was like five and 0, and then when we got to 10 and 0, coaches mm -hmm. like, hey guys, you know, stay focused, all that coaching stuff, you know, let's take right. one game at a time. <laughs> one game at a time, right. You know, all that stuff, one game at a time. We're just going to try to go through the season one game at a time, get to the conference tournament. All that stuff was dandy. But Bird came in there and said, forget all that, man, real good. And ain't nobody going to stop us because can't nobody stop me. He said that. Wow. Okay, nobody stopped me. So we do it. He was that kind of dude, man. Wow. Golly. He said, he said, he said, he said, hey, we stick together. We got something special. We was 10 and 0. And he said, let's let's go ahead on and, and do it. And from that point on, we did take one game at a time and we crushed people one game at a time. <laughs> and and then we got to the 15 and 0, the 20 and 0. And, and we were all down, locked in, just falling behind Larry. Larry was cocky. He backed up everything he said. And, uh, and we just we just followed along, man. We followed along. We stayed grounded, though, and we never got out of ourselves. You know, okay. we always stick, stuck to the game plan. We always played hard. Everybody knew their role. Nobody, nobody said, well, one game, I'm going to get out of my role. I'm going to try to get buckets. None of that. Everybody mm -hmm. stayed in their lane, did exactly what they're supposed to do. And we kind of we kind of rolled with him because, man, he was for real, man. Right. I ain't going to kid you, man. He was for real. Heading into that tournament in 79, what was the the, the media attention? Were you guys getting uh, the props that you deserved? No, we didn't get that? no love. No love. <laughs> Billy Packer and all those guys, they down. Oh, they ain't play nobody. Missouri Valley Conference, not that big. It's not that strong of a conference. All that old kind of stuff, you know. And uh, we didn't get no love. The only one gave us the love from day one was Al McGuire. I love Al McGuire. Really? Al McGuire, he came down this national televised games and Terrell Holt said, yo, they the real deal. You know, they got this kid from the South Side of Chicago's tough as nails and they got this Larry Bird, the blonde bomber, all that kind of stuff. They right. the real deal. I believe in them. So Al McGuire was the only one that rolled with us. Everybody else was against us. Everybody. Oh, wow. And, and, it, and, it, and it just truly motivated us. It was like, we're showing, we're showing we had that kind of attitude and chip on our shoulders. 
Wow. That, it's interesting to hear that knowing that that national championship game is like the most viewed of all time, right? He'll hold the record. Like, <laughs> like, and to hear, like, they get – I guess it was because y'all kept winning. They was like, okay, okay, okay. Now, now, <laughs> you know, like, now, like, let's really see what they're about. Man, like, that's insane. Well, let me ask you this, man, because, you know, earlier, uh, you know, it, the folks – can't necessarily see you, but let me paint the picture. You know, Carl's wearing the Chicago Bears hat, and he's got all his Indiana Pacers, you know, NBA scouting uh, gear, as, as so to speak. So my question to you is, as a Southside kid from Chicago, were you in the Final Four, your, your journey to Salt Lake City, and your first games against DePaul at Chicago, any kind of conflict? Did you, or did you feel any kind of way? You was like, you know, DePaul's just another team. You even consider them being from Chicago. Oh, no, I took, I took that extremely personal. I really did. Because, uh, first of all, they didn't even send me a letter. Wow. I mean, they didn't have to recruit me, but send me a letter. Shame on you. They didn't even send me a letter. I'm down the street from DePaul University, (laughs) and I'm from the South Side. They didn't send me a letter. Okay. And I was like, Ray Myers, that's that's, that's pitiful, man. And uh, and so I took that real personal, man. I was like, yeah, man, I couldn't wait to play. Uh-huh. Play, play against them, and you know, and, uh, uh, and 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 I always shared it how personal I took that. You know, didn't get a letter from them, right? You know, and I I never even thought about it from that angle, but yeah. So for you, it's like you know, you know what, you gonna you gonna you gonna you gonna remember me. You yes. gonna feel you gonna yes. feel me. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I don't think I don't think a lot of people realize how big DePaul was. Uh, back then, I mean, it was oh, they, they were like they were like Chicago's team, you know. Yes, yes, so, they were big, they were huge, man. Yeah, yes. What well, um, Mark McGuire and those guys, man, they were great. They had good players, they had NBA players, they were good. Yes, I, I, I noticed in the first half, I was watching that game against DePaul, and uh, you had a sweet potential assistant, Larry Bird, and he messed it up, got his own rebound, and scored it did you think he messed up your assist on purpose so he can get an extra rebound <laughs> and points was he that kind of guy to kind of like pad his stats <laughs> oh no no he's a real deal and Larry had great hands he would not miss a pass he 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 wouldn't do any of that because he he was so sure of himself he's like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get mine anyway yeah so no he wouldn't do nothing like that so when you guys went up against michigan state now of course michigan state and magic johnson i'm sure they got majority probably a vast majority of all the attention as far as the media went and obviously larry being blonde as we mentioned before and basketball and the, the dynamic in this country so you basically had you know the caucasian kid from the rural area against the kid that was close to detroit with a smile and a showbiz you know showbiz smile and a showbiz game going into that was there any sense of again us against the world or was it like Hey, that's Magic Johnson and them. Like, what was you guys' mindset going in? And did you have a game plan to specifically stop him, or was it to just kind of deal with the team overall? The, the only thing, man, that that was a little bit of a concern to, for me was that I played uh, on on that Indiana State team. It was a lot of it was a majority of the guys were from little small towns in Indiana, right? Mm. And and. Uh, and then now you're talking about this big Michigan State Magic Johnson. He's 6'9", smiling. He's really good. 
So, so you know, some of those guys, man, I, I thought they was like, whoa, wait a minute. They was a little bit kind of intimidated a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, Glad. from the small little towns in Indiana, man. You know, towns, I can say towns that you have never heard of in your life is where they from. Just like you never heard of Prince Lick. I know I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, with the exception of Larry and some of the brothers on the team, I thought they was a little bit like, whoa, this is a city. Uh, uh, you know, mm -hmm. they from the city and all this. It didn't bother me because I grew up like that. Right. I grew up with guys talking smack and you have to fight <laughs> on the court and all. So it wasn't no problem. So I thought that going into it, uh, our guys was a little bit, you know, intimidated with Magic Johnson and all them because it was a lot of talk with them, a lot of, lot of, lot of trash talking before the game in a tunnel going on the court okay. and on okay. the court. Uh -huh. And so, but, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I always tell young guys when I'm speaking to them individually in the group, I say, you know, Magic Johnson, man, they had a good team. Don't get me wrong. Man, they had a great team. They had big side, they had NBA players, they had size. size. Right. But I say, we, we didn't lose that game. We just ran out of time. Okay. Mm. You know, but uh, I thought our guys were a little, little shady, you know, because, you know, you know, some, some of those guys, they run up against some trash talking. That was unfamiliar, but that was, that was a different right. uh, element for them. So. Right. I thought that was a little, but not for Larry. Larry Bird invites that. Right, right, right. That fires him up. So I, I asked to piggyback off that. So I, I'm I'm young. I'm I'm much younger. Wasn't even thought of during that time. But but I'm thinking I'm thinking of the Paul. You seeing the Paul in the in the in the semi in the national semifinal. Like they didn't they didn't bring that type of attitude to the game to at least get those guys mentally prepared for what's next or was it the fact that magic was such such a character and a high figure amongst the media that DePaul couldn't even compare to that no it, it, you're exactly right they built Michigan State up so okay. big uh in my opinion they really wanted them to win it to be honest gotcha. with you, because of Magic Johnson and Greg Kelso uh and, and they and they kind of downplayed DePaul so to speak but but when we got on the court with DePaul, they were some tough dudes, man. Yeah, they were that, tough. Yeah, that's Gary that's Garland what... and Clyde Greg, mm -hmm. uh, Clyde, Bradshaw. Uh, Bradshaw and those guys, mm -hmm. they were tough. But 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 Michigan State hype smothered all of that kind of all of that. But Magic, Magic Johnson, you know. Then they mm -hmm. wanted to create this country boy, Larry Bird, going against the city guy. And they downplayed Miss uh, uh, DePaul. That was really scary. But they had some dudes, all them dudes from around the way. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I uh, I was watching that DePaul game, uh, and early in the game, Al McGuire he actually threw a little love your way at the beginning of the game. He was like, he's the only one to mention like, hey, you got to watch out for Carl Nix, tough kid out of Chicago. And, and Dick Enberg was like, oh, not, not Larry Bird. You're talking about. You know, Carl Nix, like, interesting. Like, that that's the person you would think to focus on stopping. So so I'm watching, I'm listening to the game, and then I listen to Al McGuire later on go, yeah, Carl Nix, son of a preacher man. I'm like, okay, all right, where are we going with this? Then a little bit later <laughs> on, Al McGuire goes, yeah, you know, the Nix family wasn't able to make it. They couldn't afford the ticket. I'm like, whoa, 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 where are you coming from? Like, what you trying to say here? Like, right. like, like what, what, what's going on here? And so then they go to halftime, right? And during yeah. the halftime show, Dick Enberg comes back to Al McGuire. Al McGuire's like, uh, 
Yes, uh, the good Reverend Nix, uh, he has to work on Sunday, so he's preparing a sermon, but it was made known that um, if Indiana State makes it to the finals, they will be at Salt Lake City. So I said, okay, somebody from the Knicks family called and said, hey, <laughs> you better correct that. Talk about we can't afford a ticket. So my question to you is, was that Mama Nix that called? Was that the Reverend that called? Was it your sister Lynette that called? Who made that call to tell Al McGuire <laughs> to set it straight? Well, see, well, see Al, Al McGuire had, had, had met with me and uh, uh, my dad had got extremely upset. He don't know nothing about me mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. um, it, it was my mom who had got that information back out to some Indiana State people and they pushed that. You know, they, they called and, and said, well, well, they didn't take that lightly. You know, yeah. they didn't take, especially his dad. Because uh -huh. his dad is a big time minister on the South Side. And he got money to fly out there before. <laughs> I know right. somebody called. And that's how my dad took it. Al McGuire met right. with me and said, hey, hey, you know, I coached in Marquette. I love city guys. That's why I love you. I love recruiting in the inner city. I'm a New Yorker. Go with me on this, Carl. He said, what I'm doing is trying to manipulate the airline uh, to pay for your, your, your parents' flight, round trip, and a hotel. Wow. Go with me on this. I know how to do this. I've been a college basketball coach for a long time, and I'm from New York. We know how to do this. And I was like, Hustling. I was like, hey, mom, chill out. Uh, you know, he's trying to manipulate the airline, and it actually worked. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't know, so he wanted me to know that so I could relate it. That, that's exactly what he did. Okay. And the airlines con con contacted my mom and dad and took care of everything. Wow. wow. Yeah, Al McGuire, uh, you know? Al of New York Al, Al City Hustle. He was City Hustle, man. He, said, <laughs> he coached those guys. He coached Bo Ellis and, and Marquette. So he liked inner city guys, and that's why he was a, he, he kind of kind of was like had a liking to me, you know, the inner city tough guys, all that kind of stuff. Mm, right. Hey, you uh, mentioned you mentioned Bo Ellis, you mentioned Isaiah Thomas and, and Mark Aguirre earlier. Coming up in that era, that was a man. That was a, a a lot of great ball players that came out of out of this city uh, during that time. Who was the best you played against? Woo, man. Well, I got to You know, Isaiah Thomas Zeke was tough, man, because he was a musician with that ball, man. He was tough. Uh, uh, I always had trouble with Doc Rivers. Mm. Uh, that's 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 with the Philly now. Mo right. Cheeks. Uh, was fast. I, I had trouble with him. Ricky Green. Uh, yeah, those are some of the guards that I had problems with. They, I mean, they were just unbelievable coming out. Ronnie Lester gave me two problems. He's from the South Side, played at Iowa. So the list just goes on and on and on and on, man, you know. So Al McGuire, setting the narrative, and that's kind of what I want to go to, to kind of go a little bit tangential here. During that time period, as far as the Black athletes were concerned, and particularly even basketball players, so to speak, a lot of times the narrative was that, you know, they, Black athletes were just athletic. They were just, you know, they were just athletes. They they weren't thinking. Larry Bird and guys who were Caucasian and if were were leaders, thinkers. They, you know, they 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 orchestrated the game. How important? I mean, it's easy. Obviously, it's important to control the narrative. But how important? I can speak to how important that is. Comparing back then to even today, controlling that narrative and and how important it is for 
the right person or people to be able to 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 set that 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 narrative themselves as opposed to having the Al McGuire speak for them. Well, you know, that's 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 something um, that's that was a label and, 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 and something that guys was labeled with. And, uh, you know, what it is, it was a lot of guys who were athletic and this, that and the other. For an example, uh, one of the guys was Greg Kels on Michigan State team. He was black, super athletic, but also was all academic, big, all big team. Mm. And so, you know, um, back then, I have to say that a lot of us was labeled just athletes. They never knew about anything, classroom work, personal community work. None of that stuff was ever mentioned. They only mentioned what they seen on the court. And uh, and, and I, it was a stigma that, 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 that lived for a long time back in that era. It's, mm -hmm. it's definitely changed a lot now, but, uh, but I'm gonna tell you something. In order to survive back then, uh, to become a good player and to excel and even go to the next level, you got to have some level of intelligence because it, it was sure. so hard and there was so much talent. Uh, mm -hmm. If you couldn't think your way out of that, then you were just going to fall by the wayside. So the guys who actually excelled and made it out of that uh, were good thinkers and had good in, uh, a good basketball, a decent basketball IQ. But nobody ever mentioned the class work that we done and the academic stuff and the degree. That was never mentioned. So it was a stigma right. that they were just athletes and they was mm -hmm. athletic. It was never mentioned. Only was only mentioned on the, on the other side, on the Caucasian side. Right. You know, so... I think I think now all that stuff has came to the forefront, so to speak, and it's all been mentioned and this, that, and the other. So it was, it was, it was, you know, really, really back then. I even heard that these athletes was was dumb as a box of rocks. Right, that was the impression that a lot of yeah, times they, they just can play basketball, right? But they never dug into who you who really were. were, right? You know, that not like it is now. So we got shortchanged in, in, in a way, mm -hmm. you know, we really did. So you go on from uh, the disappointment, unfortunately, of not winning the national championship, but then the next level for you, you know, and possibly going to the NBA, what was your journey into the NBA as far as, you know, scouting combine and then the team that selected you and then going forward, like how kind of like, were you like, it was it surreal for you or were you like, you know, this is, I got a plan and this is my plan. Or were you just kind of like, okay, I'm just going to take it step by step. Oh no, man, I had a journey, I had a plan, you know. Um, um, I, I was actually gonna leave my junior year. When I, we went to the final four, I was a junior, Larry was a senior. Mm -hmm. And my stock was pretty decent. I averaged 19, five, five, and five. <laughs> that's, 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 you know, that's, that's first round. Hey, hey, that's top, that, that, top 10 pick these days. You said five, <laughs> five, and five. Yeah. Okay. I just want the people to make sure they didn't hear like a and skip those five turnovers at the end. So five, five, and five. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's, that's three like different that. categories. So it was pretty decent. Five, five. You know, and uh, and I was gonna leave, and coach, our coach talked me into staying, saying, "Hey, you can stay a year. You still gonna go?" And I believed him, and he said, "At the end of the day, you're gonna make more money in one year than probably your parents have made in, in their whole career." And yeah. I kind of believe that. So I stayed mm. and I just buckled down, stayed in shape, worked on my game. Uh, I was the number fourth or fifth, sixth leading scorer in the nation, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I got the recognition. Um, Bird brought the notoriety to Indiana State and I kept it going and it, it, it elevated me. I worked at it. it. Nothing was given to me. I worked at it. 
And so after the season was over with, my goal from Inglewood as an eighth grader that I'm going to the league. Mm-hmm. I set that standard in my mind from then. Uh-huh. Oh, you too little. You too left-handed. You only go left. I say, yeah. Every time I heard that stuff, it motivated me. So my journey, uh, before I before I go on, I want I want I want that you all know this here, this big hiccup that I had in my career, my journey that a lot of people don't know about. When I went to Indiana State as a freshman, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't get that much playing time, but I was the only one on the team that had a, a fan club. Larry Bird didn't even have a fan club because they like they like the kamikaze style that I played okay. and they loved that. So I had a fan club. But my freshman year, I got down and out because I would come out of Chicago, all city, all world, all that stuff. And now I'm on the bench. I couldn't handle it. So I stopped going to class. So I did a good job at the end of the academic school year of averaging a, uh, my GPA was a 1.6. All right. <laughs> oh, they called me in the office and said, hey, we got to do something about this. You're on academic probation. Your scholarship is being threatened. We're going to send you away. Whoa. I say, send me away? And they say, yeah, you're going to go down to Gulf Coast Community College in Panama City with our grad assistant named David Langston and get your GPA up and work on your game. And I agreed to do that. At 19 years old, I went down there by myself. Wow. Mm. And so I rock and roll, did everything I needed to do down there. Got really focused. I was pissed, had a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I made all, all, all Juco, all that stuff. Right. And uh, my GPA went from 1.6 to 3.5. Uh, I, was, I was all Juco. So now I'm getting recruited all over again. Mm. And so I tell Indiana State, I gave them both middle fingers at that time. Say, no, okay, you shouldn't have sent me away. I ain't coming back then. So they wanted me to come back my junior year. So I was there my freshman year. I played Juco my sophomore year. They wanted me to come back. Wow. So I'm getting all recruited all over again. I'm getting letters from Maryland, North Carolina, North Carolina oh. State. Oh. But, you know, so I'm like, wow. I should have never did in Indiana State. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here they go. They put Larry Bird on the phone. <laughs> he recruited you back. And he recruited me back. <laughs> he recruited you down. He said, hey, man. I hated to see you leave. I know why they did it, but I'm gonna tell you something. If you come back, you the piece that we need. And with you coming back alongside me, we can go to the final four. And I said to myself, Larry's crazy. Larry Bird crazy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> and he convinced me to come back because I really, I really, I really, really like Larry. Larry was cool. Larry was a really good teammate and a good dude to me. Okay. So, so I went back and we went to the final four. And at that time, I said, Larry Bird is a basketball brain, which is true. Mm-hmm. And we went to the final four. Wow. And so that's my journey. But my whole thing was that I'm going, I'm going to the league. That was my goal. And then I got refocused, got my grades right. And I ended up getting drafted out of Indiana State in the first round, number 23rd pick in 1980 draft. Mm. And, uh, but, but, but prior to that, one last story, when I, they didn't have a combine at that time. They didn't have an NBA oh, okay. combine. What they do, they send you to Portsmouth Invitational. Portsmouth okay. is still going on right now. And then from Portsmouth, they send you to Hawaii to like a, 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 a low hall shootout. And so I made it through Portsmouth, my stock went up, mm-hmm. and then I made it to Hawaii. And guess who my coach was in Hawaii? It was Ray Myers from DePaul. Wow. <laughs> Ray Myers bitched me. Oh, wow. what? 
He benched me in Hawaii. He gave me garbage minutes. What is going on here? Because we beat them in the final four. Oh, <laughs> so he so was petty, on personal. Man. So see, I'm going through these obstacles, man, and I tell young guys, if I can do it, you can do it too. Wow. So, so that's so, crazy. So when I was in, when I went to Portsmouth, I was a late, I was an early second round pick, but I did so well in Portsmouth. I went from uh, uh, early second round to to late, I mean, to late first round. Right. And and by the time I got to Hawaii, when he benched me, I was already locked in. Okay. Okay. And so and so I guess drafted and I have and I had I had two and a half, three solid good years in the NBA. Things didn't work out to my advantage. And then I just went overseas and finished my career. So I, I don't mean to be rounding, but I had to no, share no, some no, of really. stuff. No, no, that's, <laughs> and, and that's that's that's, why that's, that's journey, major, man. man. That's, that's major. Why, yeah, that's why I say journey because you know, as you just mentioned, it it, it was that 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 and more. And everybody's it's a journey, man. Yeah, everybody's is different, you know what I'm saying? So so yeah, it's important for people to understand how things can work, how things don't work, but how you're mm -hmm. able to, you know, you the person take charge of your life and get those things and flip it and make it work for you and turn yeah, negative man, into a yeah. positive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely appreciate it. Being like I said, I'm a, I'm a youth coach with baseball and, and so often I've, I've worked in the schools. I, at one point I worked for the park district and a lot of these kids are so detached from reality that right. they think that they think LeBron James just woke up and, and made it to the NBA. Like they don't, they don't understand the journey, the different journeys that people have to take. So that's, that's major to hear that. Like initially I didn't, I wouldn't have never thought that you was at Indiana state, went to Juco back to Indiana state. Right, like that's, 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 who, who does that? Like, man, like, yeah, man. like the, the type of wheel that you had, is is phenomenal. That's and, that's, and, and, that's next and at level. The end, at the end of the day, it worked out. It all yeah. worked out, man. That's why I say, man, don't give up. I tell these cats, don't give up. Yeah, man. So let me let's take a page into your NBA life, and um, I, I just want to ask again one of these kind of questions. Always, you know, rumbles around in my mind is like, what differences in diversity, uh, diversity wise, do you? see an NBA front offices from the time when you were a player to now as, as a scout, like how, how much diversity have you seen and, and how much has that changed from, from then to now? From, from then to now, it's still a small percentage. Wow. In the front office, still a very small percentage, man. Um, the percentage change as far as being on the floor, mm -hmm. as far as the locker room coaches, video, uh, strength coaches, medical that that has changed the percentage that has changed significantly, significantly. But the front office, not much. Really, not even in the much. NBA, huh? huh? I say even in the NBA because a lot of times we get that impression that the NBA is you know compared to the other you know professional sports that it's you know it's avant garde in that and it's you know it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's it's leading the charge and ahead of the vanguard. No man, I played for three different NBA teams, and in the front office, not one of us was in any of the three teams I played for. Mm. Not in the front office, none of that. It was always a coach, assistant coach, uh, 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 strength and conditioning, uh, developmental person, or something like that. But nothing in the front office. Uh, it has gradually gotten better now because there's been so much pressure. 
Mm -hmm. uh, society pressure on the NBA and all this kind of stuff. And, and then in some ways, a lot of players uh, have put pressure on, 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 on some organizations. Uh, okay. And then now even with Black Lives Matter now, it's just, they're really under a lot of pressure now, you mm -hmm. know? So yeah. uh, it has changed, but not much, um, not, not much wow. when I was playing now. Not, not, not no big jump. So as a scout, can I describe for us the difference between, you said initially, you said now that you're, you're, you're a scout of, of pro players, early on uh, college players, like what is the difference in the duties and, and how, how much difference is there in terms of the responsibilities from one scouting aspect to another? Well, you know, it's like night and day from college scouting to pro scouting, because college guys, they trying to get there. Mm -hmm. So you, you're going to see a lot of action. You're going to see a lot of, of everything. They're going to lay it out on the line. They're going to expose themselves because they're trying to get to the next level. Um, so the biggest thing uh, in college is that, you know, if this guy is really good, but what kind of guy is he? Okay. Uh, that's, that's the biggest obstacle. You have to find out. What kind of guy is he? Can he, mm -hmm. can you bring this guy in your culture? Can you bring this guy in your locker room? But other than that, all you can get all the action. They're gonna talk. They're gonna be open. They're gonna this, that, and the other. On the flip side, pro scouting, they're already there. They got that mm -hmm. guaranteed money, man, and they just like some of them. Most of them they got settled. Okay. The hunger is gone. The wow. passion is gone. Wow. You so know, that's a sad different to say, way to recruit, huh? So that's a different way to recruit. That seems like it's more difficult. It's very difficult, man, because wow. they got the guaranteed money and the passion is gone. And when any passion is gone in any field that you're in, mm -hmm. that's a problem. Any any field that you're in, when you don't have the passion to giddy up no more, and somebody and the majority of the NBA players haven't gotten settled. It's like, hey, mom, I made it. Mm. I'm done. And so they stopped doing the things that got them there. So it's very challenging. Um, to try to 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 put a team together through free agency, you can get a piece here and you get a piece there, and you guys have to keep building. But um, you know the college the, the college draft is, is is way more exciting because you got a number, you got fifteen guys that's hungry as hell that can play, hmm. that's trying to get there. So now you got to try to tame them and calm them down. <laughs> okay. On the flip side, the NBA guys, some of these young guys who got all this money, very talented, they don't think they have to work no more. Hmm. And then I, then I fall, you know, I call them AAU babies. Some of the hmm. AAU sport them. Mm -hmm. They didn't make any of them accountable. They didn't get in their face and say, man, sit down somewhere and bitch them and make them earn their rights. And so they come to us entitled. Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's very challenging, man. It's very challenging. And then, you know, someone like me, old school, OG or whatever, <laughs> I'm too hard. <laughs> You're too hard. Yeah. Wow. I went through that with them. I'm too hard, you know? And then what's sad about it, man, if you've been removed from this league five years, mm -hmm. they don't even think you even play basketball. Really? Wow. Yeah, they don't even think that you ever played basketball. If you removed five years, I've been removed a long time. So five years out, 
They're like, who is this guy? <laughs> wow. wow. No, respe no respect for the history of the game. No <laughs> respect for the history of the game. So, 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 so pro scouting, man, I have to be, get out there and I have to really nitpick and dig and dig and dig and dig and get intel and look at this one guy that, that that's a little bit of a piece to our puzzle. And that's it. So do you pick yeah. the player to scout or the organization says, hey, Carl, we want you to check out player A, player B, player C? Uh, uh, with, with our team, yeah, uh, they, they say, hey, look at look, look at this guy and look at this guy. They always say something about based on position, okay. you know, and I, I look at those guys. But then I, I have my own guys Okay. that I say, hey, this is who I like by position. Okay. And I try to have a list of five players in each position that I would highly recommend. Okay. And so it's a combination of who they ask for and what I like. And we just put it all and we put it all together. So 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 the biggest thing is getting intel on that free agent. Uh -huh. So when he come here, he can fit in this culture uh, and in Indianapolis, because Indianapolis is not Chicago. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> good know, and bad it's a with small that. Market <laughs> and man, ain't a lot of and a lot of lot of hey man, hey, you know, <laughs> black lives matter. <laughs> Right. This is a Republican conservative state I'm in. Right. You're in the red state. You know, so so you know, so so that's that's it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of work. It's very challenging pro scouting over over college. College kind of falls in its place. There's a lot of players, then you got the draft. This is a little bit more serious, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because you sign that one or two players free agent, he's gonna be playing for you right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Some rookies got to wait. This guy's going to be playing now. Oh, wow. Do you do um, – are you strictly just doing free agent scouting or do you do, like, advanced scouting as well? No, I'm just doing uh, the free agent scouting. Yeah, we got a, we got a guy that's doing advanced. I'm only doing the free agent scouting uh, right okay. now. Yeah. So was there any sport besides basketball or was it just straight basketball that, that, was, that was your first love and you didn't play anything else? Like no, no. Uh, I played baseball first. Okay. Yeah, I pitched and played right field, and I was I was pretty decent in baseball, uh, like in seventh grade, eighth grade, and and stuff like that. And uh, uh, my 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 eighth grade coach uh, actually seen me play basketball, and he was like, "Hell, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think you should take the majority of your time and spend it on basketball and not baseball." Wow. And so I started doing that. And then I then I start I tried out for, for the baseball team at Inglewood. I made the team, and then I was out in the outfield. It was got too daggone cold out there. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm giving up baseball. And, uh, and I devoted all my time to stay in that gym, stay indoors. You didn't like Indiana that 20, 25 degree weather in March, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then at Indiana State, you know, I was strong, I was physical, I was athletic. And uh, I got a, I got a letter from the Cowboys. Oh wow, nice! Uh, for a trial, like the big, be a defensive back. Or defensive something. back, right? Yeah, I yeah. Can see that. I got a letter, but I never, I never pursued any of that. But I did get a letter from the Cowboys. Wow. Yeah, because wow. you know the physicality, run, jump, strong, so physical. You you got love from the Cowboys, but not Ray Meyer. It, you know, it just doesn't seem. <laughs> you know, what's going on here? You know? I, mean, I mean, come on, send me a letter, Ray. <laughs> right. Man. All right. And then he benched you. Know, you. The city guy, send me a then letter. He, 
Then he benched right, you. Right, then he benches you when he then finally gets you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did, I did notice he had two guards from, from East Orange, New Jersey on that team. I, yeah, I was, I, was, I was a little upset about that. He sure did. Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. So who's, who's your favorite, and if you have a favorite, as far as uh, players go, or what's your favorite type of player? As far as the NBA, like what 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 gets? Is it like LeBron? Is it the Steph Curry type? Is it the uh, Embiid? Is it the you know? Uh, Draymond Green. Draymond. Oh wow. Oh really? I, oh. I wasn't even thinking about that. I stuck okay. I stuck my neck out fourteen times to get Larry Bird to draft Draymond Green. Wow. And uh, the other six scouts said they they was all against him. I was the only one for Draymond Green. I wow. stay. I lived in Michigan State practicing games. Why? It's because he's a baller. He's a gamer. Mm -hmm. He just hoops. He's tough. He's multi-purpose. He's a utility guy. And that's the type of guy that I like. And I really like him now because that's what we need in this small market in Indiana. Mm -hmm. We need to smash mouth basketball. We're not Chicago. We're not New York. Right. Those places recruit, that city recruits guys on its own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we need guys like that. So I like the Draymond Greens of the world, you know? Interesting. You know, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm not stupid. I know you can't have the majority of your whole team, Draymond Green. Right. That one man guy, though. For me, that, that's shoot, not just, the style that I like. Just you looking know? at your team now. With a Karis and Sabonis, and you throw Jay, Draymond in that mix. That's, oh, that's my point. That's my point. That's a different team altogether. That's yeah, a, oh those, those are the kind of guys that I look at. Um, and, and my pro scouting eye, I, I've looked at, I've been looking at those type of guys. I like Bobby Portis. Mm. You know, Bobby Portis is a tough guy. He ain't gonna back down. Hey, I've always liked Bobby. Yeah, you know, when he, when, he, when he stole on who was that he stole on the Chicago Mir Miritich. Uh, Miritich. 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 Hey, I knew I knew that guy was special. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so, so you, you know, need those type of guys. Yeah, yeah. You, it's the only way, you know, you, you gotta have that if you're trying to win. You got to. Wait, we know the, the paces are out right now. Yeah. But uh who you got coming out the east and the west in this year's playoffs? Hey, man, I just I, – I think Brooklyn, man, if those three guys is clicking, pick your poison. What you going to do? Pick your poison. <laughs> if they all are clicking, man, what are you going to do? And, and, and what's, what's really good, they role players. Blake Griffin looks young now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The role players is looking good. They got Bruce Brown from Detroit, and he looks very good now. They are playing well with those guys. But if those three guys are clicking, well, how are you going to guard that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, and they all tough, and they, and they been there, and they, and, and KD wearing two couple rings, Kyrie got a ring. They know what they're doing. So I'm, I'm, I, I like Brooklyn, you know. Plus, plus, you know, I always like KD. I've got a chance to talk to him and meet him. He always is straight up with me. So I'm a KD's fan too. Okay. Okay. What about the West? The West. The West. Yeah. Um, this might surprise you, but I Phoenix to me is a little scary. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Ask hey, LA hey. about that. Hey, <laughs> they, they, man. They can be sneaky scary because those guys, um, if them, 
Phoenix is scary. And them in Memphis is very scary, you know? Really? Because they don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They don't care. Yeah, that, and they that's don't respect, real. They don't respect their opponents. That's what I like. You know, so I'm, I'm that's that's I know it's a long shot, but but I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at those guys to really advance. I just don't think the Lakers got any more juice left. Right. So, yeah. Interesting. So a, yeah. a, a healthy disrespect. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I would I would just say this when you said Memphis, the one person that I think is flying under the radar in Memphis and he's so important for them, it's Grayson Allen. Really? Grayson Allen. I don't he like- hits big shots and his he's he's a tough white boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he gonna do that dirty stuff. He's a, yeah, he does the dirty stuff, no doubt. <laughs> so Karis LeVert going into the going into the play in violated the league's COVID health and safety protocols. He suspended for he well he's not suspended to sit 10 to 14 days with the with the play-in it's about to take place LeBron James violates health and safety protocols he faced no punishment they throw out some bull crap I saw today on TV shows all the event was outside and it was this it was that he was only there for a certain amount of time like really really come on man I'm not stupid but he violated the rule. He violated the rule. Yeah, that's, what I'm, that's my point. That's my point. And they don't, they punished us like that. I bet one of our best players when we needed him. And LeBron supposedly been suspended. And just like Charles Barkley said, they don't have the they ball. Don't have the ball. And wow. then, you know, you, 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 you taking a big, big risk suspending the face of the, of the league. Mm. But you also would do a, a adjusted to make a, to make a, a great point by right. suspending them. Yes. yes, exactly. Even if you just did better. one game. It would make one game. It will make the league better, and it will send a message to these guys. See, because what they did was reinforce LeBron's behavior, and now some of these other guys going to do the same thing and think they're going to get away with it. Right. So, uh, but, you know, everybody wants to see the Lakers and the LeBron advance, because of the revenue. So that's just, it's just, that's the part I don't like about this business, this league. Mm. You know, I don't, but it is, you know, it is what it is. Man. Man. Well, hey, Carl, man, thank you for joining us, man, and, and giving us your time. We appreciate it, man. We, we uh, enjoy having a Chicago legend on, man, no doubt about it. So thank, <laughs> thank you very much. Anytime, man, I hope it was good, man. Anytime, I, I enjoyed it. Hey, we didn't, uh, we didn't give our predictions. So I guess we'll let's do that. Who you got coming out the East and West? Starting with you, Glenn. Uh man, dude. You know, if you asked me this last week, I would have said Philly, because I just I'm I'm anti Kyrie and anti-super team. <laughs> but listening to Carl, <laughs> it's like, yeah, Brooklyn. It's it's just hard. It's it's it's, nobody in the East has a firepower that those guys have. So I'll, I'll go to uh, uh, the uh, the Nets. And, uh, man, the West is a tough pickle to figure, man, because of these injuries and who's really playing. I just mm-hmm. – you know, and, and I guess I'm kind of going off of one game. I, but it's Chris Paul, man, he's just so – I hate him because he, you make, he makes you think that the team he's on is going to do it, and he just gets hurt. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it affects everything. But I think they're 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 more the sum of a team than they are just Chris Paul and another superstar. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Phoenix, man. I think Utah. I had Utah earlier, but I don't I don't know how injured Don, Donovan is. You know, and I think that that's going that clearly that made a difference. And I think going forward it'll make a difference as the teams get harder. So I, I look at Devin Booker being darn near unstoppable and if Aiton can play like he did, those are your two guys you you bank on. So I'm gonna go with the young guns in Phoenix and I'm gonna go with uh, Brooklyn. Smoke, what you got, man? Okay, so I'm gonna give so here's he this was my picks as a fan. I had Philly because I'm a Ben Simmons fan. And I had the Clippers who are so fraud. <laughs> because I'm a because I'm a Kawhi Leonard fan and I'm slowly, slowly becoming less of that. Uh but my realistic prediction, and even though I'm starting the West because this team lost game one. Even though they lost game one, I had the Lakers coming out the West. I still think they make the adjustments on Philly. I mean, on on Phoenix and and get out get out of that series. I think that'll be the toughest series for them if they survive. And I'm going Brooklyn, man. I'm going Brooklyn. It's 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 no like they have the ability to turn any deficit around so fast it's yeah. crazy it's annoying <laughs> that first half versus boston it looked like jason tatum was just unguardable right. and and it was like second half they just was like okay we're brooklyn we can do what we want <laughs> we're gonna win this like and let's not sleep i think did did boston score 100 points well, they're missing Brown. And that's not saying these injuries in these playoffs. Uh, yeah, yeah. These injuries are affecting like it's like key injuries, you know. It's so and it makes it hard to figure it out. But but yeah, if, if Brown's there, I think it's a better series. But with him not being there, yeah, Brooklyn. He's, yeah, yeah. They, I, Brooklyn, I got... Brooklyn will look better defensively because they don't have, they have <laughs> one less person to have to defend. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I got Brooklyn. So my my main prediction is Brooklyn and LA. Brooklyn winning it all. All right. Oh, Glenn, who you got one at all? Brooklyn, unfortunately. <laughs> just, I'm just so salty about that, man. It's just Brooklyn. It's hard to pick against them, man. I, I, you know, I had a lot of bravado earlier, and I'm like, yeah, no, they ain't got no defense. They, they got donut hole in the middle, and Kyrie's going to flake out. Man, they look really poised. They really look focused. And <laughs> it looked like – I'm like, man, ain't nobody going to be able to mess with them. So, yeah, I got Brooklyn in the whole thing. Recent history suggests that the Nets, at some point, one of those big three are going to get hurt. Uh, but what if they don't? What if they you said recent history? Win. Yeah, yeah. Recent history. Yeah, I thought the same thing about the Lakers last year, and AD stayed healthy long enough to win a championship. Right. Yeah, but they had, like, eight months off. That helped. The, I'm just saying the, the 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 guys on Brooklyn that will get hurt had yeah. not that much time. <laughs> right, off. They, they kept trading off, you know, weeks off. So uh, with that, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Milwaukee coming out the East. Wow, okay, that's our second round East. matchup. Outlier, and um, I talking, have to do this. Be talking to Brandon uh, 
Brandon at the job and got you believing them, them bucks. <laughs> uh, I hate to do this, but until somebody stops them, I can't bet against them. I got the LA Lakers coming out the West. Wow. wow. And That's I'll, just. I'm going to take Milwaukee to win it. What? You really have just, been talking to Brandon just, Willis. Just to, just to, just to <laughs> you know, make you feel good about your pick, Milwaukee did win today 132 to 98. 132? To 98. Jeez. They, they, that helps me. <laughs> just to make you feel good. Yo, that, yo, they put 132 up on Miami. That's, that's saying something. That is. That's Miami awesome. ain't got the offensive firepower that Brooklyn has, though. <laughs> they got the toughness, but they don't got the offensive firepower. Right. All right, fellas, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Easy Smoke and the GM Podcast. We greatly appreciate everyone for listening. We also want to thank uh, Carl Nix for coming on and, and, ha- and having a great interview. Uh, really learned a lot from that brother. So, uh, so thanks to him for joining us. Uh, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher. <laughs> Wait, I'm missing one. Uh, I heart radio and tune in. Now we're on tune in. Uh, just found that out. So uh, you can find us at those places or wherever you find your favorite podcast. You can also catch us on HP 53 productions.com. There's a link to our podcast as well as the Super Duper podcast hosted by Rob Griggs and the Father Good podcast hosted by Marshall Givens and Kenny Stevenson. Uh, we've also got merch up there, so definitely take a look. Get your easy smoking the GM mugs, hats, T-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever you got. Um, I know Glenn has his. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with that, Glenn, please take us out. Hey, man. It's like we always say, we you know, hopefully Carl will understand as well. You know, seeing as how he uh, felt his way about DePaul and his way with Indiana State and, you know, kind of having his loyalties a little divided as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, Carl, everybody else out there, we ain't saying we're right, but we sure as hell don't think we're wrong. We'll see you next week.